0: Welcome to the sixth NISO Experience session. We hope that you are enjoying the session so far, and today will be no exception as we bring you a session from the NISO Experience partner, BRIES. I'm Dr. Shiva Mehta, NISO Experience Planning Committee member, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Mehdi Pekar of BRIAS Technologies Incorporated. Dr. Mehdi Pekar is the inventor of BRIAS and the founder of Brias Technologies Incorporated. Dr. Picard is a practicing orthodontist from the UCLA School of Dentistry. Prior to practicing orthodontist, he received a master's degree in quantum mechanics and condensed matter from the University of Illinois and a PhD in biomechanics from John Hopkins University. His unique background in academia has been instrumental in the design of Brias and continues to drive success in achieving superior biomechanical results. The first Brias was tested on a wax model and has since received FDA approval with numerous successful treatments. It is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Mehdi Pikar.
1: Thank you very much, Dr. Mehta. Um, It's an honor to uh, present at NISO. I remember um, it was 2019. I did my first uh, presentation at NISO. uh, And today I'm gonna do another presentation. So, um Brias is a new orthodontic system, I would say, that is different from traditional races or um, uh, from aligners that uh, moves the teeth independent of um, each other. And um, the way it works is that, um, you know, there are there is an anchorage base and there are flexible arms that connect each tooth to that anchorage base. And you see each arm is different from the rest of the arms. And these arms, the design for these arms and the thickness for these arms are, uh, based on how far we are moving each tooth. So the force and moments are calculated and the best uh, arm and um, arm is uh, chosen. The whole brace is made of night-eye and uh, it's customized for each patient, uh, obviously. And each arm is customized for that tooth. So here is a video animation you can see. See each arm is a little bit different from the other arms. Four extraction happened here, four premolars. So just a little bit uh, description of the animation that you watched, you know, as I said, each arm is different from the other arms and um, the brackets are bonded on the teeth. And those brackets, you know, they can be any bracket. They can be twin brackets. They can be what those brackets that you saw, they were 2D brackets. And then arms are engaged to the teeth and each tooth moves from its initial to its final position. And this movement is uh, the movement for each tooth is independent of other teeth. And it's similar to aligners, uh, you know, uh, you scan the teeth and in the uh, interface, uh, you uh, look at the visual treatment plan. And after you approve the treatment plan, uh, you have the digital bonding tray plus the brius and the brackets are loaded to the digital bonding tray. Use the digital bonding tray to bond the brackets and then you engage those arms. Each arm is gonna be engaged to each bracket. And then uh, you know, the, the tooth uh, moves from its initial crooked position to its final ideal position. So this is the wax typodont. Actually, this is, a, this is the new, it's the, it's the first breeze that really worked. Uh, and it's a wax typodont, it's in hot water. Uh, the same way that we did it uh, during our residency. And you see the extraction spaces on the right and left side, they're closed and the crowding on the anterior teeth, they are unraveled. So, um, and all of these things um, um, are done with uh, with one Brias. So now I want to tell you about uh, some advantages that Brias has uh, if you compare it to traditional braces. Um, You know, you can put the brackets on the teeth. Uh, The positioning can be chosen during virtual treatment plan. You can, for example, put the brackets horizontally. You don't have to put it in the middle of the tooth. Uh, And also these brackets, they don't have to be repositioned later uh, during the treatment. So uh, whatever the virtual treatment planning, uh, the bracket positioning is there, in the mouth of the patient, the bracket positioning should stay the same. But you have flexibility in the virtual treatment plan to Uh, put the bracket because the REAS is going to be manufactured based on that bracket positioning in the virtual treatment plan. For example, here you see, as I said, the brackets are horizontally positioned and distally positioned. And uh, throughout the treatment, the positioning is is going to stay the same. And if you look at this lateral, you see this blocked out um, uh, uh, lateral is is here and this central Cannot be approached with one arm, so you know it's connected to the tooth that is next to it. So, independent tooth movement is not happening for this central uh, because it's uh, connected to this uh, right central here. But you know we could bond all the bracket, uh, all the teeth, and we could place the braces um, on uh, you know on on all the teeth from the very beginning of the treatment, as you see here. Um, The other thing is that you can do the IPR without removing the BRIAS. You see, there's no wire connecting the teeth. So, um, you know, know, that helps, you know, when you're busy in the clinic, you know, you don't have to remove the BRIAS. You just do the IPR. The same way for the patient, the patient can, uh, they can floss because there's no wire connecting the teeth. And, uh, you know, that helps with oral hygiene, encouraging the patients to uh, do the uh, flossing. Um, you can use the uh, rubber band uh, from day one. After you bond the wrist on the upper and lower arch, you can put buttons on the buckle side. And for example, in this case, um, you know, I told the patient to wear class two elastics on the right and left sides. And uh, you see there is some improvement in the class two relationship uh, uh, here if you compare the left and right uh, photos. And uh, the reason that you can wear heavy rubber bands from the beginning is that, you know, you have that anchorage base that is pretty rigid and that helps with um, wearing these rubber bands from day one. Um, you know, with traditional bases, usually we have to step up the arch wire. After a few months, after the wire is heavy, you can, um, um, you know, tell the patient to wear heavy rubber bands. But yes, from the very beginning, when the com- uh, compliance of the patient is higher, you can tell the patient to wear upper bands. And um, here is a few months later, you see um, this patient has uh, some improvement in the class two relationship on the right and left side and you see the buttons on the upper threes and uh, lower sevens on both sides. You know, for example, this here we have an extra, we have extractions of upper fours and there's no brackets on the uh, upper fours. And I bonded the patients, I placed the braces, and then I had the patient to go and extract the upper fours. So uh, in this situation, um, you see that, um, you know, there's no ambiguity. If, you know, the, the upper force should be extracted, upper five should be extracted. That happened to me once, you know, I sent the patient with traditional braces to, Um, an oral surgeon and then fives were extracted and it's the fours. So it happened to me once, but you know, here there's no ambiguity, there's no bracket on it. So it means that extract those teeth and you see the uh, blocked out teeth were bonded and the arm were engaged on those. Um, You know, the other thing about uh, traditional braces or aligners is that, you know, physiology kind of defines how fast the teeth move uh, with uh, traditional braces. Uh, when you tell the patient to come back after like, let's say, eight month, eight weeks uh, and you had extracted fours, let's say, and you're retracting the canine, if the patient doesn't show show up for a long time, you might retract over retract the canines. And there's no like uh, fail safe uh, mechanism here. And the same way with aligners, you know, we really don't know we should tell the patient to wear the aligners. Uh, change the aligners every week, every 10 days, every two weeks, you know, there are different ways of doing it. And in reality, the physiology of each patient is different. Compliance of patients are different. So uh, the the frequency of changing the aligners is a really hard thing to say. What is the best frequency is, but you know, with, um, you know, with Reus, just the tooth moves to its final position and then it stops moving so if the patient shows up early and the tooth have not moved you just continue uh, the treatment and if the patient doesn't show up for a long time the teeth move they go to their final position so uh, that issue with uh, you know traditional basis that we have that you know you might move over correct some uh, tooth movement you know uh, does not happen with Brias. so if you want to uh, describe uh, this new orthodontic system in what's one sentence biomechanically is that the teeth move independent of each other. Um, and, um, you know, if you compare it to traditional basis, let's say you have a high buckle canine, you are bringing the canine down. Uh, if you put a nitile wire there, uh, the canine kind of goes up. Uh, the canine goes down. The lateral and the four next to it, they go up. Right. So those are negative side effects with traditional braces. This might happen with aligners. You know that the teeth adjacent to the tooth that you are we are moving it um, uh, might be affected negatively. But um, um, with the with this system, because the teeth move independent of each other, um, um, you know because of that, you know those negative side effects are going to be distributed over the anchorage base. And that helps with um, preventing those negative side effects. If you have a question, is it an O18 system, it's an O22 system, um, you know, you just need a bracket on the tooth and it doesn't matter that bracket is O18 or O22. It can be even like O30, it doesn't matter. As far as we have a handle on the tooth and those arms, go and grab those brackets, Um, you know, that will, we know the system does its job. So it's not an 018 system or 022 system. And this is a non-sliding frictionless system, um, as you noticed. And uh, to pick each uh, arm, um, you know, we have this mathematical algorithm. We do finite-time analysis, but this is just a small part of it. We do a lot of other uh, algorithms. Uh, Use a lot of algorithms to define what is the best uh, spring for each tooth and what spring, what thickness, what design moves the tooth from its initial to its final position such that it applies the right force and the right moment. Uh, If you compare this with uh, traditional uh, lingual systems, um, you know, you know, you know with one of the problems with a traditional lingual system is that the distance between the interbracket distance is small on the lingual side. So the wires feel to be rigid for the teeth, but, uh, you know, the flexibility comes from the strings with briars. So, you know, that problem with, um, um, you know, that problem that we have with um, um, trad- lingual traditional bases that interbracket distances distance is small, doesn't exist with, uh, this new orthotic system. Um, uh, the other thing is that, you know, with, uh, traditional braces, when we are, let's say we have an extraction, um, you know, we, we break the treatment into different, uh, stages. First we do the loving aligning and then we do the space closure. And finally we do the finishing and detailing But um, with the, with this system, um, we are doing all of these things, uh, simultaneously. We are, doing leveling aligning, we're closing the space from um, day one, and we are kind of doing finishing and detailing from day one too. Um, You know, canine impactions, you know, uh, doing canine impactions with aligners is really difficult, but you know, with traditional races, obviously we do a lot of canine canine impactions, but the way we do it, usually we uh, kind of tip the, uh, teeth towards the arch and uh, we move the crown to its uh, final position and then we start to, uh, to apply torque to the roots and move the roots uh, roots of canines, let's say, uh, to their ideal position. Uh, but with reest from day one, we can um, move the tooth from its initial Uh, It's crowned uh, from its initial to to its final, and meanwhile we can apply a moment to that tooth such that the root goes from its initial to its final position. Uh, So this is the advantage that we have with um, 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 with this system. Uh, The other thing is uprighting molars. Uh, You know this is a scenario uh, six is missing and seven is tipped uh, towards the missing uh, tooth. And in order to operate that uh, seven, we have to apply the force more apical to the center of resistance. And to do that, um, uh, we can, um, you know, with traditional basis, we can put a power arm, but you know, with this new orthodontic system, we can uh, do it in the, uh, in the design of the brace. So I, I show you an example here. See this, uh, this patient had a lot of crowding on the lower incisors and we had to extract lower force and you see several months later, uh, the crowding is unraveled and the extraction spaces are closed. But if you notice, um, you know uh, there is this wisdom tooth on the left side that is tipped, and uh, on uh, you know several months later, you see this is not tipped anymore, um, and you don't see that here you don't see the mesial uh, side of this wisdom tooth. But you know in this uh, several months later, you see the mesial side of it. Let's look at the panel for this patient. You see, I'm basically I had to tell the patient to r- uh, extract the uh, wisdom teeth on the left side and this patient didn't want to extract the wisdom teeth. So I put a new breast for this patient and you see this wisdom tooth is almost horizontal. And, um, and this is um, several, several months later, you see that uh, the wisdom tooth is upright. And you see the radiolucency, uh, mesial of this uh, wisdom to it and also here you see that this is the um, um r- uh, the socket you know the socket of the how the roots were positioned and now they are uprighted and we did this with uh, one breeze and the reason we did that was you know the calculations that we did we applied the f- the force more ap- uh, more apical to the center of resistance in order to be able to uh, upright uh, this wisdom to it uh, now, let's talk about round tripping. Um, you know, with um, traditional bases, you know, we have this scenario. Let's say we have extraction of upper force because we have a lot of crowding. And uh, so black is initial. And then we put a nitile wire and mm-hmm. we flare the incisors. Uh, blue is the progress after flaring the incisors. And then we retract the canines, and orange is final. Uh, We retract the canines and retract the incisors. So here you see that we kind of did some round tripping. We flared the upper incisors in this case and then we retracted them. Uh, But what happens with um, this system that teeth move independent of each other? You know, when you're retracting each tooth uh, independent of other teeth, uh, you see that, you know, that flaring does not happen. Each tooth black, blue. And orange, you know, the teeth move uh, from their initial to their final position, kind of independent of each other. And, you know, uh, uh, we did some OSEM awesome, uh, experiments with, um, from University of Alberta to look at how this works, and actually we're working on uh, um, presenting the, the, the data. Uh, how it looks and it shows that, you know, when you're moving each tooth, you're applying uh, force to each tooth, it won't affect the adjacent teeth uh, with this system because teeth move independent of each other. Again, the the reactive force is gonna be distributed over all the teeth because uh, anchorage base is connected to the the whole uh, arch. Okay maybe I can skip these, you know. um, And um, so a little bit background, you know, uh, I, you know, I was, I was uh, in LA after finishing my PhD. I went to LA and I did my residency at UCLA. So I was working there and then I moved to Dallas. um, And when I came to Dallas, um, I saw this patient that um, already had traditional braces on the lower arch. And, you know, uh, when I talked to the mom, the mom uh, because of the flossing um, um, advantage that, you know, the patient could do the flossing, this is a teenage patient, uh, uh, you know, wanted to do braces for the upper jaw. And uh, so the patient already had the traditional braces on the lower. And we decided to extract all the fives for this patient. And you see there's crowding on the lower and crowding on the upper. And then I put some uh, non-functional buttons on the uh, labial surface of the teeth because this patient was a teenager and really cared about the colors, wanted to change the colors. That's why you see here, uh, I put these non-functional buttons. And uh, this is uh, a month after extraction of fives. You see the crowding on the lower arch is unraveled um, and the lower incisors are flared uh, and uh, you know the next step is to start closing the spaces with uh, traditional bases on the lower jaw but on the upper jaw we had um briers and you see the uh, extraction spaces are uh already started to close uh, more on the right side than the left side, although the forces were equal on the right and left side. And that kind of shows uh, the difference of the physiology between each tooth from the other. And uh, because of this, after a month, one month after extraction, you see that uh, the patient is in crossbite, anterior crossbite because lower incisors were flared, but upper incisors were retracted. So there was like a difference uh, although the traditional basis started earlier, but, you know, Brees kind of uh, brought the upper incisors uh, into uh cross by. And this is another three-month progress here that you see. And this is a 10-month progress on this. And actually here, this patient, I would say probably, um, Teenagers, when they uh, hit the puberty, they care about aesthetics more. So this patient asked to remove the buttons on the label side. That was interesting. Um, you, know, you know, they become conscious about their um, aesthetics more at teenagers. Early teenagers, they, they, they want colors, but late teenagers, they care about aesthetic. Uh, and they don't want their, uh, like, whatever orthodontic system that they have. They don't want it to show. Okay, so, um, you know, these are the uh, cases that we suggest to start with, with um, uh, Bria's uh, crowding like four to seven millimeters. Uh, just maybe before that, I, I mentioned that, you know, there's no limitations with Bria's to uh, what patients can be treated. Uh, you know, as I showed, you know, uh, you know, I have treated like canine infection, I've tried orthognitive surgery. I have tried like extraction and, you know, the roots move uh, very, pre, um, you know, you can predict how the roots uh, move and you can uh, plan for that. But, you know, the cases to start with, I would say like more crowding, um, seven, four to seven millimeters deep bites. And the reason I, I want to talk about the biomechanics of each of these, uh, why deep bite is, a uh, good choice because you know we can lower the forces for let's say lower incisors and you can intrude them very efficiently. you know intrusion needs a very light force and you know that that's totally controllable. Expansion, you know we can talk about the biomechanics of expansion um, because we have that anchorage base you know and ar- those arms are connected to that um, anchorage base you know um, expansion um, is a good option generalized spacing, sagittal correction, and midline correction. So now let's talk about teenagers. Uh, So this is a teenage patient. You see that uh, it's a five month uh, progress uh, for this patient. Uh, See the alignment has improved a little bit. This is the teenage that I showed you. And this is another teenage patient, 13 year old. Uh, This patient uh, had missing upper fives and uh, this patient had ease, upper ease, and uh, we decided to extract the ease. And um, this is the bonding date, and you see the midlines are off, and this lateral, upper right lateral is in crossbite. And, um, you know, we bonded for this patient, and you see the midline, the, the smile is good, but, you know, it can be improved. And this is a two-month progress for this patient. Uh, you see that the extraction of ease, uh, you know, that extraction space for ease is uh, improved. Uh, you know, the, the spaces are closed to some extent, uh, more on the right side rather than left side. Uh, the midline also is um, kind of automatically corrected without uh, using rubber bands. And this lateral is not encrossed by Anymore. And uh, actually, a little bit about midline, why midline got corrected um, automatically. The reason is that um, posterior, upper posterior teeth for this, this case were um, holding the anchorage base. The right side and left side is holding the anchorage base, and the anterior arms can move the teeth on uh, incisors to the right or left. In this case, upper incisors were moved to the right. And the anchorage comes from the posterior teeth, right? So um, that helps with um, when the patients are not compliant in wearing their um, like midline rubber band, you know, you you can use this. Um, You know, there are other ways to do that. For example, with traditional basis, you can move the uh, teeth one by one uh, and fix the midline. But here you see just automatically, the midline was corrected. And the reason that the biomechanics behind it is that um, the right and left side, were holding the anchorage base, the posterior right and posterior left. And that's why the, and you see the, um, this lateral also is not in crossbite anymore. And the smile um, looks much better. Um, and um, the smile has improved. Now here you see the button on the canine and uh, molar. Um, And you know, this patient was supposed to wear class two elastics. And you see, this is the four month progress smile, how the smile looks um, initial and four months later. So crowding, this is a crowding case. Um, uh, In this case, you see we have moderate crowding on the upper and uh, lower, and the patient is a little bit deep-eyed. You cannot see like this central and the lower incisors are not like completely visible in the frontal intraoral photo Um, and um, here is four months later you see the crowding has unraveled to some extent uh, and uh, the deep bite has improved you can see the lower incisors uh, and the crowding on the lower has improved too this is another crowding case you see we have Uh, Crowding on the upper arch and lower arch. The midlines are off. Uh, Upper midline is to the right, lower midline is to the left. Occlusion is pretty good on the right and left side. The smile looks good, but can be improved. And this is four months later. You see uh, the crowding is unraveled for this patient and uh, on the upper and lower arch. And the bite is pretty good on the right and left side. The midline is corrected and also. Uh, If you go back, actually, you know, the patient had some open bite tendency. You see the bite bite is a little bit open, has open bite tendency. And here you see the bite is a little bit deeper and the smile looks uh, much better. Okay, this is another case. We have a little bit of of crowding on the upper and lower and um, the midlines are off again. The patient is a little bit class two on the left side, but on the right side is class one. So again, we uh, give uh, class two elastics on the left side of this patient, and we put braces for the upper and lower. And this is four months later. You see the midlines are on now. The crowding is uh, unraveled on the upper and lower, and the occlusion is class one on both sides. Uh, deep bite. So you know, maybe I can talk about. I, I just talked about deep bite. quickly, the biomechanics of deep bite. But here I explain a little bit more. So in this case, you see we have a huge curve of speed and uh, this is two months later, you see the curve of speed is flattened. And the reason for um, efficiency with uh, fixing the deep bite is that we can control how much force we are applying to each tooth. Uh, For example, for this case, you see that lower incisors Um, decrease the force for them uh, because you know if if you compare it to traditional basis when you put a heavy arch wire on the lower jaw um, instead of intruding the lower incisors in many cases we extrude the premolars rather than intruding the lower incisors but if we control the forces the intrusion forces uh, which we can do with uh, the system we can apply very light force to the Incisors, lower incisors. Here we flared the lower incisors a little bit and also we intruded them uh, rather than extruding the primolores. And you see the um, piece flatten. This is the frontal view. You see the canine to canine is uh, intruded uh, from the frontal view after two months. And uh, we have a pretty good uh, progress here. Okay, so. Um, This is an example of uh, deep bite. You see the, um, again, lower incisors are not very visible. You know, the patient had um, quite a bit of uh, deep bite. And then um, here is the, you know, the deep bite has, uh, the progress is pretty good after a little bit of time. Um, um, Okay, so there is another, Case here. Um, okay, um, so there's another case here. We have uh, a deep bite, like like for except that um, lower right, uh, lower left, central. Uh, you know the deep bite is like uh, around one hundred percent, and uh, this is um, this is uh, five months later. You see that uh, the deep bite has. Um, has had a good improvement and also this lateral, this canine, you know, the, the crowding has unraveled uh, after five months. Now let's talk about expansion. Uh, in the biomechanics of expansion, you know, if you talk about biomechanics, uh, with traditional bases, um, you know, the wire expands the posterior teeth and from the canine to the seven, let's say we want to expand the whole, uh, you know, that, that like pr- posterior right, posterior left segment. If you want to do that, you know, the length is about 30 millimeters on each side. And the farther distal you go, uh, the amount of force de- decreases for traditional bases. But uh, when you have this anchorage base, uh, this anchorage base really helps with, you uh, um, moving each tooth and expanding each tooth on the posterior segment independently and uh, the length of each arm on average is going to be six to seven millimeters uh, for each arm so the, biomechanically um you know it helps with the expansion um, dramatically compared to traditional braces and um you know, I, I'll show you some examples. For example, in this case, maybe in this photo, it's not very visible that we expanded, but maybe I can show you in this. You know, on the left side, this is what we planned in the computer. Uh, white is initial, blue is what we plan to be expanded for this patient. And on the right side is the real superimposition of initial and uh, three-month progress uh, scan for the patient. And you see that these premolars expanded, Sorry, these premolars got expanded, this canine got expanded, this lateral also uh, moved buccally. And this is the intraoral photo for this patient. Uh, This is a 12-month progress for this uh, teenage. Um, You see we have posterior crossbite, also this lateral is in crossbite. The midlines are off. And here, uh, 12 months later, you see that uh, the midlines are on now. Uh, and the posterior crossbite has um, improved. Also, we gave a button on the lower right six and lingual of upper right six uh, and asked the patient to wear uh, cross elastics, although this patient was not the best in wearing uh, uh, elastics. But um, anyways, after 12 months, we had a good progress in fixing the uh, crossbite. In this case, also we um, constricted the lower um, arch two, and the expanded the upper arch that was in the treatment plan. Midline correction uh, with uh, without elastics. So uh, these are some examples that um, I wanted to show. You know, here you see the midlines are off, and this is four months later. You see the midline has improved, and <clears throat> the reason for that, again, you know, we, we talked about it, uh, is that uh, the posterior teeth are connected, the anchorage comes from the posterior teeth that um, hold the anchorage base. And then the anterior teeth can move to the right and left. And uh, that's why without telling the patient to wear rubber bands, we can uh, improve the midline. And here you see that the brackets, um, you know, kind of are preventing uh, these canines to go all the way. and, And, you know, in this case, I don't have the, uh, photo here to show you, but you know, we had to uh, remove the brackets and abused various um, like lower profile brackets in order to be able to uh, move these uh, canines uh, and settle them down. Okay. Um, so this is another midline uh, improvement. Uh, um, after five months, again, you see this, this lateral was in crossbite and the midlines are off. And um, you see the midline is improved. Still is not 100% on, but has improved after five months. And this patient was not wearing any um, like midline elastics. This patient was wearing class two elastics So, Okay, spacing. This is a uh, simple spacing case. We had a diastema between upper centrals. Patient has a little bit of deep bite, not too much, but this is three months later. You see the deep bite has improved. This patient is not deep bite anymore, and also the, uh, the diastema is uh, corrected. Diastema, the spacing is closed. Okay, so this is another um, spacing correction. You see, we had uh, spacing on the upper and lower arch, and two months later, uh, the spacing is improved. The spaces are closed. Okay, sagittal correction. So. Uh, this patient uh, has deep bites and also crowding on the upper arch, crowding on the lower arch. Uh, this patient is class two, and this canine is class two. And uh, uh, you know, we decided to tell the patient to wear class two elastics from the very beginning. And this is six month progress for this patient. Uh, although this patient was not wearing class two elastics, so we put a tad uh, between upper six and upper seven, and then uh, we put a power chain between the canine and the tap. And uh, that's how um, we distalized the canine uh, for this patient. And uh, we got a better sagittal um, relationship for the canines. Uh, the good thing about uh, biomechanics of the system is that we can uh, uh, tell the patient to wear class- or heavy rubber bands from day one or we can do uh, um, like in mass distillation from day one. And the, the biomechanics behind it, the reason is that we have that uh, rigid anchorage base, that kind of, uh, um, you know, we don't have to wait like traditional bases to go to heavy um, arch wires and then uh, switch to um, heavy rubber bands. You know, with this system from the beginning, we can, uh, um, tell the patient to wear heavy rubber bands or we can masse distalize because we have that rigid anchorage base from day one. And this is a 10 month progress for this patient. You see the occlusion is pretty good on the right and left side. Uh, the midline still needs to, uh, to be worked on. Uh, the crowding on the upper and lower arch is unraveled. Uh, if you remember, we had um, a lot of crowding on the lower and, uh, and upper arch. And also we did some arch development. On the upper and uh, lower arch. Yeah. Okay, uh, you know, non compliant patients. You know, the, here is an example. This is a patient that um, I was seeing in LA, and um, we decided to, you know, the, you see the mid, upper midline is shifted to the right, and we have a lot of crowding on the upper and lower arch. And uh, we decided to. Uh, extract all fours for this patient, as you see here, we extracted all fours, and we bonded for this patient, and uh, this patient did not uh, show up for six months, Uh, so it was, uh, this patient was not very good uh, showing up, and uh, was not the most compliant patient, for example, day one, we put some buttons, and we asked the patient to wear some rubber bands, but obviously, the patient didn't do any uh, rubber bands, didn't wear any rubber bands. And this is uh, seven months later. Uh, this is after the bonding visit. This is the next visit that we saw the patient. You see that uh, extraction spaces are closed, uh, almost closed uh, for this patient. Um, here, we of this upper left canine. We have some space, but upper right space is close to a good extent and the occlusion is looking pretty good Uh, the midline is not that off still is off but it's not that off and the occlusion is good so uh, this is seven months later and we didn't have to see the patient uh, during this time so this patient was non-compliant if you had to ask the patient to wear like aligners I don't think this you know treating extraction cases with aligners is definitely difficult but this patient was not complying with traditional basis after uh, seven months, you know, I don't think we get to this point if the patient doesn't show up. And uh, this is a 10 month progress. This is uh, the next visit when the patient came back and you see that uh, midline is on now. Uh, the occlusion is pretty good. We have some uh, open bite here. you have to work out uh, to fix them. Um, uh, okay, so maybe I can, uh, talk about the, um, the interface when you do the treatment planning, because treatment planning is very important, uh, uh, with the system. Um, you can submit your CBCT, if you submit the sub- CBCT, I, uh, suggest, that you know, I always do the CBCT, I, I want to look at the roots, I want to look at the bone, I want to make sure that, uh, Uh, the root is not coming um, out of the bone uh, when I'm doing the treatment plan. So I need to see the uh, roots and the bone. Um, Although, you know, if uh, the treatment is very simple, you know, you're not moving the teeth around that much, uh, you can just skip um, having the CBCT in the treatment plan. But, you know, in in general, submitting the uh, CBCT, I think is very important. with uh, with this system, um, I know that, again this the Brius look looks uh, like this. This is the anchorage base here, and uh, you see the arms and uh, digital bonding tray that has the brackets that are loaded to them. Um, and uh, we discussed this. Um, you know, you can put the buttons on the buckle side. Uh, if you put the buttons on the buckle side, um, you know, for the early teenagers, that helps, uh, you know, if they really care about the colors. Um, okay, and obviously, um, sometimes, you know, doctors ask me, uh, uh, IPR is possible, expansion flaring is possible. So, you know, with, uh, you can do IPR, it's completely up to the, Uh, orthodontists uh, to do the IPR or not do the IPR, you know, like they can do the expansion and flaring or they can do uh, extraction or they can do IPR, you know, this is totally up up to the doctor how the treatment plan uh, needs to be. So um, another thing that I wanted to mention uh, is um, if a bracket is debonded, how we deal with that, you know, with, uh, you know, if if you move that arm lingually and you prepare the surface of the tooth, you cut the additional uh, bonding tray with scissors and use that as a jig to bond the bracket. Then you can um, bond that bracket and then remove the jig and put the arm back. So that kind of saves the chair time. You don't have to remove the whole brius. And, uh, you know, that, that helps to, um um make the, uh, you know, that visit faster. Uh, So here is the, you know, just the bracket, how it works and how it applies the uh, torque and angulation. You see there is this T-shape and, uh, you know, this bracket kind of uh, controls the torque because, you know, if you want to give, Buckle crown torque, this part will push the two uh, crown buckley. If you want to give um, lingual crown torque, this part will do the job, the apical part of that. And then mesial and distal part of the uh, part that goes into the bracket controls the rotation and controls the, um, you know, also angulation is totally um, will be controlled um, with this uh, system. And this is like uh, an animation how um, you know how this works and uh, how the um, system works. Um, you know, like those, there are two clips, and those clips are closed. To um, and you know the, the closing of those clips, you know, uh, secures the arm uh, into that bracket, and you know the tooth can move from its initial to its final position. so here is a little bit of explanation you do the promising sandblasting uh, and then you do the uh, acid etching you put the bonding resin there you put the composite on the tray and um, the teeth are prepared to do the indirect bonding and then you seat the in direct bonding trade, digital bonding trade there, and then after light curing you remove the digital bonding trade and then the brackets stay there. Okay here is an animation how to engage those arms. So let me show you this animation. So this is the wine guard pliers, you know, you can use them. And also this is the opener. You use these to open these brackets. Those clips are open. the bracket, and with the other hand, you close the clips. As as I said, that slit in the part that goes into the bracket kind of uh, helps to hold it with the opener. And it's the real world how you open the brackets, how you engage the arm how you close the clips, how you hold that part of the arm into the bracket and you close those clips with the one arm. Okay, uh, so we have, a little bit time to talk about, like I show you a few more cases. So this is a, a two-month progress for this patient. We have some spacing on the upper arch, uh, and then we have some crowding on the lower. And this is a two-month progress for this patient. Uh, we had some uh, op- um, open bite here, and uh, this is a four-week progress for these patients, uh, for this open bite case. This is a two-month progress for this patient. You see these arms, this is the interesting thing is that these arms are stretched. You see this arm is stretched, but this arm is not stretched two months later because this tooth was moved lingually. And uh, because of that, um, you see that, you know, kind of the, the arch also is a, a little bit asymmetric, it's not asymmetric anymore. And these arms did their job and move the teeth where they should move. Uh, the arm that I was talking about was upper right one that was stretched. And then upper right one is not stretched anymore two months later. Uh, this is a two month progress for this patient. Uh, you see we had deep bite, and you know the deep bite has improved and the crowding on the upper arch is uh, unraveled to a good extent the patient was wearing class two elastics during this time and that's why you see those buttons on the upper canines and lower sevens actually this is the case that i showed you seven week progress upper right two was in cross bite and is not in cross bite anymore This is uh, an extraction case. We extracted the upper fours and this is a six month progress for this patient. Uh, You see that um, the extraction spaces are uh, close to a good extent uh, after six months and the crowding is unraveled to some extent, not quite, but uh, to some extent the um, extraction, the crowding is kind of unraveled. This is another case we extracted uh, five for this patient's this six uh, month progress
0: for this patient
1: we have extraction of uh, four premolars the four month progress for another patient that we extracted uh, lower uh, fours and you see this the crowding here we had a lot of crowding on the lower incisors and canines and they are um, in a better situation, the crowding is unraveled. The extraction spaces are um, closed to good extent. And this is uh, another case we had like these laterals that are blocked out on the lower, and we extracted uh, all fours for this patient. And this is ten month progress with two BRIS, We got to this point that extraction spaces are closed, and crowding is um, unraveled. Um, uh, pretty well, and you see the upper fives—they got expanded too uh, for this patient. Okay, this is another canine that is uh, in crossbite, upper upper left canine, and you see this is a this is a design that you know moves this canine uh, buccally Uh, With one Brias we could uh, move this canine, uh, this amount uh, to the buccal. And also there's a little bit spacing and a little bit crowding. And you see those are fixed uh, and it's just one Brias after seven months. This is another extraction case. You see upper fours were extracted and this is three months and a half later. You see the extraction spaces are um, closed um, like, I would say like 80% of it after three months and a half. And this is a teenage patient, you know, tooth movement is usually uh, faster uh, in teenagers. Okay, so maybe uh, um, I can stop here and uh, answer to any questions that's...
0: Um... Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Picard, for the wonderful presentation. Uh, I'd like to ask you a few questions uh, about Brias as it's uh, very new. Um, So I wanted to ask you first that you said that it's all night high wires, right? Now I was wondering how effective it is in moving the roots of the teeth and how does it actually move the roots? I can understand it can move the crowns, but how does it move the roots to the ideal position?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Good question, like Amanda. As um, you know, I showed that case that we did the uprighting of the molar. uh, It's very easy to do all those calculations to apply the force, for example, to the center of resistance to move it bodily or apical to the center of resistance to move the roots more than crown. Or we apply the force more occlusal to the center of resistance to move the crown more than the root. So we do all those calculations and uh, it's totally possible to do root movements, you know, if you compare it to traditional bases, and uh, if you compare it to aligners, you know we have like another layer of uh, uncertainty that aligners—you know—the patient wears the aligner or doesn't wear the aligner, and we can move the roots with aligners, even if biomechanically it's possible if the patient really wears the aligners. But uh, we don't have that issue because it's fixed, and also
0: um, you know we have full control on the roots; we can move them around. Got you, thank you so much. I had another question uh, regarding, uh, so because it's a lingual appliance, I know it's very different from the traditional lingual orthodontic devices that we use, but do you uh, have any issues with the hygiene and how do patients cope up with it or what are the recommendations for better oral hygiene when the patients have VS appliance?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh you know we put it we put it on the lingual but you know i didn't get a chance to present to you that you know we can put it on the buccal side too this is just a new orthodontic system you know i have treated many cases on the that are on the buckle and uh, it's totally doable it's just because it's more popular to be aesthetic you know we put it on the lingual side as far as oral hygiene i think one of the things when i talk to the moms and i say okay this is uh the system you know the patient can the, the teenager can easily floss uh you know it's a very good point so you know if you compare it to traditional basis again you know like you can easily floss so um we should we are working on like like some schools are working on like doing some uh, research on this compare this system with traditional basis oral hygiene wise but Uh, what I have observed so far, you know, oral hygiene wise, it's uh, better uh, because of that flossing uh, that I mentioned. And also um, the other thing is that, um, you know, if, if uh, you um, teach the patient to use like, for example, water pick or like any other like water flosser from day one, uh, you know, that helps similar to like other orthodontic systems, but um, like water fluster is one of the things that I usually at the beginning, I tell the patient to use and um, also normal brushing and flossing. Uh, That, you know, again, flossing is easier. So, you know, if the patient doesn't floss at all, that's a different story. You cannot do anything about it. But if the patient flosses, uh, the ease of using um, flossing with uh, brius um, helps uh, with oral hygiene based on my
0: observation so far. Sounds good. Thank you so much for that wonderful answer. And the last question I had was regarding broken brackets and have you noticed an increased frequency of bracket uh, breakage when you use the lingual approach and how do you manage that situation? Cause if it's loose, I would imagine it may hurt the patient more or maybe more Like uh, you know, irritating because it's when you use the lingual approach. So I was wondering how you manage those situations. Yeah, sure. So
1: um, you know, the bracket that we use, the profile is very small, and you know, in my clinic, I don't see like a higher rate of uh, higher rate of debonds. But the thing is that you know, my assistants they are they are trained very well to do a good isolation. they use promising, sandblasting, they use NOLA to make sure that the isolation is good. And a combination of that with uh, the fact that uh, the profile of the bracket is very small and you know when the patient eats, this is just, again, like hypothesis here, but you know, the shear force is gonna be less because uh, when the profile is smaller, the food doesn't hit the bracket if the profile is, as, uh, is big. So uh, the, probably the debond rate is lower, but I don't see like a higher rate of uh, higher rate of debonds with my uh, system, uh, with this system. But uh, obviously, the bonding date is very important. Isolation is very important. Sandblasting, blasting, definitely helps. Polishing definitely helps, as it helps with like traditional braces on the bottle. Always it's better to follow all those uh, instructions to have a better isolation and better bonding.
0: Sounds great. Uh, Thank you so much for the detailed explanation. And finally, I would like to thank uh, Bria's Technologies Incorporated and Dr. Mehdi Piker for bringing this wonderful session to NISO. Please visit Bria's marketplace listing to ask any questions that you may have for them. And thank you for joining us tonight.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.